We're continuing on a new series in the Gospel of John. I'm going to read John chapter 1, verses 4 through 13 this morning. I want to ask if you'll stand in God's honor. I'm going to read aloud. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that comes, that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this biography that makes all the difference, Lord. First-hand account of our Savior, our Lord. And Father, I just pray that as we seek you this morning, that you would speak, Father, and that we would hear from you. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Speak to us through your holy word. And may we hear. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Just a little bit of a recap uh, from last week when we met together. So we opened up in the first four, five verses in John chapter 1. Jesus is described as the Word. He starts out, it tells us in the beginning was the Word. So in the beginning, Jesus was already there. As I said, this is beyond my ability to understand. And then he comes in the next verse. He says he was with God in the beginning, which simply means that there was perfect communion of God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit together for all of time. There again, this is beyond my ability to grasp. And then it tells us after that, if there's anything that has been created around us, it was him. He did the work. And it tells us in Genesis that he simply spoke. As the word, he spoke, and it was. All of creation. All of the stars. And I shared um, one statistics from the statistic from the University of Hawaii, who said that if you could take all the grains of sand on all the beaches, and I know warm weather's coming, people are excited about getting ready to head out to the beach. But if you could take all the grains of sand on the earth, all the beaches, and multiply that by 100,000 earths, that would be an approximation of the number of stars that are out there. Once again, more than my little puny mind can comprehend, but that is how great, that is how awesome, that is how big Jesus Christ is. He is certainly worthy of worship. And then it tells us 
in verse 4, he says, in him was life. Guys, there, there is there's life. It's, why are we here? What is our purpose? Where is there hope? And it seems like we, we live in a world where there's just so much negative news. It, it seems like that, that there's so many who are fighting. It seems like, where do you go for hope? And it tells us, in Him is life. You know, what is life about? Where is their life? It's in Christ. It is in Him. And that life gives light. What do we need light for? So that we can see. If we want to see God, if we want to know God, then we have to see by the light of Jesus Christ. So that is what we looked at last week, and that turns us to the picture of the light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. So what do we learn about the light? Well, in verse 5, it tells us the light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. So there are many out there who are living in the dark. They don't understand the light of Christ. They haven't met Jesus. They haven't seen Him. But they still live in the dark. And, and as this section of Scripture opens up, we meet a man whose name is John. Not the guy who wrote this gospel, but a different John. And I guess in some ways we could say he's a Southern Baptist. Because he was born in the southern part. And he was a baptizer or a Baptist. Which didn't mean that he believed Southern Baptist doctrine. It simply meant that when he would preach, his call to commitment would be to join in baptism under the water, which was a picture of, man, I want to live for God. I want to change the way I think. I want to change the way I live. And I want to show you guys I am serious by going through with baptism. But this man, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer, it says that he was sent from God. So we go from talking about God as the Word to God the light and the man that God would send to introduce to us the light of God. A couple of places he's mentioned in the Old Testament where the prophets of old prophesy that he's coming. Uh, the first one is in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. A voice of one calling, In the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So he was out in the desert. And that's literally where he showed up preaching. And he was preparing people's hearts for something bigger than what he was preaching. There was a, a hunger for God. There was a longing that came as John preached. But it says he, he, he was not God. He was not that light. He was merely a man. The other place is in Malachi chapter 3 verse 1. The last book that we have in our Old Testament. I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple the messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. 
So it's interesting, this man who was sent from God, he also had a different kind of announcement of his birth, of his coming. His parents were up in years. I don't know exactly how old they are, but it was past the time that you would expect to become a parent. And Zechariah went into the temple as a priest, and he had a God experience. An angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Zechariah, I've heard your prayers. And I've heard the prayers of your wife, Elizabeth. This time next year, you guys are going to have a child. <gasps> you know, of course, we, we talked about in Sunday school, you, you know, with Abraham and Sarah, and how they heard the news at 99 and, and 90. <laughs> Maybe they weren't that old, but they were certainly in shock. Because they were up in years, and Zechariah's like, What? And the angel of the Lord's like, okay, you're not going to speak until after this baby is born. Because you doubt it. And so he, you know, he has to go to, to write down what he's saying or maybe use sign language, but he's not able to, to speak to his wife or to the people that are around him. And he is not able to speak until the eighth day after the birth of this baby for that circumcision, which was the rite, the ritual of entering into the Jewish community. And so, it comes to that eighth day, and people are just assuming that they're going to name this kid after his dad, Zachariah. But then Elizabeth, the mom, says, no, his name's going to be John. And they're like, There's nobody in your family named John. Why is he being named John? Are you sure about this? And so Zechariah writes down, his name is John. And I go, well, I guess it's true. And says suddenly his mouth comes open, he's able to speak, and it's praise God time. He just has a worship time right there in that moment. Thanking God for this baby that was unexpected, but now has arisen. And all this happened to show that this was no ordinary man. Matter of fact, listen to what is said in Matthew eleven eleven by Jesus. I tell you the truth, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet he was least in the kingdom, yet, yet he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. <laughs> So he says of just human beings, John the Baptist, it was the greatest, greater than Abraham and Moses and David and all those Old Testament heroes. John was greater. He has a mission. Uh, in our text here, verse 7, it says, He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him... All might believe. His job was to be a witness to the light, to Jesus Christ, who Jesus is. A witness declares a truth. And that was his job. He was the first of eight witnesses that we're going to discover here in the Gospel of John. And as this witness, he had a declaration that he is that true light that you guys 
have been waiting for and that you've been looking for. And, and so he, he speaks with clarity of this light. Now, what, what does it mean when it says that Jesus is the light? I don't believe it means that he was like always glowing. Like Jesus would just walk around and man, it's like, let's follow Jesus at night because he's like the perfect nightlight. He's better than a torch. You know, we, we can easily see where we're going if we follow Jesus all the time. And he's just got this halo around his head and, and he's just always glowing because he's just so, so full of the brilliance. No, no. It, it, it speaks of the fact of, of who God is in his glory. As a matter of fact, a couple of things here. Number one, light speaks of the glory of God. Remember when everything was created, the first thing that was said by God was, let there be light. And there was light. Light signifies the very glory and the presence of God. Jesus Himself is the light. In Psalm 19, verse 1, as David looked around at the, just how awesome everything in creation is, he said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. And so, as he looked at creation itself, he went into praise as he was able to see the glory of God. Matter of fact, it tells us in the New Jerusalem, this is Revelation 21, 23, it says, The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And I love this last part. It says, The Lamb is its lamp. So there won't be any street lights in that new city because the very Lamb of God, His glory, His light, will supply the light that is needed for us to see and to worship Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. That's what it says in Hebrews 1. Here's another one. The light speaks about the knowledge of God. Remember there was a time in history, they called it the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages, which means, man, there was no knowledge. Everyone was literally in the dark. No one had the facts that they needed in order to, to live a, a good life. And then there was a time they called it the Enlightenment. Which meant that suddenly people were receiving knowledge that was needed. They were enlightened. And of course the one who is the keeper of all knowledge. Who knows all things. That is God and that is Jesus himself. I thought it was interesting. You know as you read through the gospels. As you read about Jesus. It was a dangerous thing for some of those people to hang around Jesus. Because he knew what they were thinking. And think about that. You're thinking... Man, I just need to get out of church and get me a hamburger. Man, Jesus would say, Would you stop it? You're supposed to be thinking about me, not a hamburger. You know, Jesus... Now, He was a little rougher than that, okay? <laughs> the Scripture. He would nail people whose hearts were, were broken and, and clinging to that sin. Uh, here, here's another one. His holiness. Uh, in First. Timothy chapter 6, we read that God is immortal and He dwells in unapproachable light. That means He, he is holy, He is perfect, He is with no sin in His presence. That's why when 
Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, therefore be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He kind of nailed all of us. We're all sinners. None of us are able to rise to that place because sin has entered our hearts and sin has entered our lives. And yet He knows all things. Um, Rabbi Harold Kushner wrote a book years ago called When Bad Things Happen to Good People. And, and basically, the point of the whole book is God is not all-powerful and God cannot control all things. And so quit guilt, guilting God. Quit making God feel bad because He is not able to handle everything. That is not the picture of God in the Scriptures. Our God is all-powerful. Our God is all-knowing. And if I don't understand something, it's not God's fault. I just don't know it. But He does. And sometimes we just have to, sometimes we just have to trust Him where we can't trace Him. I heard James Dobson say that one time. I've never forgotten. Sometimes we've just got to trust Him when we can't trace Him. We don't understand Him. But He is holy. He is holy. And He has a purpose. Um, Jesus asked religious leaders this question. He said, Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If I'm telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Well, they couldn't. They couldn't prove him guilty of sin because he was sinless. He's God, right? Um, so, there's something Im implied if Jesus is light, that means that we had to step out of darkness and into the light. Now, in verse 7 here, when He gave His cause, His purpose, that He came for a witness, to bear witness of that life, He did it, why? So that we might believe. We looked at the first week of this study that the purpose of the book of John is so that we may believe. We are told about Jesus is the Word. We are told of Jesus as the light and we are given witnesses and we become witnesses through the eyes of those who were there, through John the Apostle who was there, so that we might believe on Him. And so here's really the question with our lives. Do I believe? Is my life a wall or is it a gate? When people look at me, do they look at me and it just stops and they don't see a gate? which is a place to open up and enter in, because that's what our lives are really to be. Man, I am not God. You are not God. But may my life be like a gate where people can enter in and see more. See Him. And not just merely a wall that blocks being able to see the true light. Verse 9, he says, That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And then it says, He was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. He came to His own, and His own did not receive Him. And so, what He shared in these verses is that Jesus faced rejection. The only one who should have had full worship, He wasn't received. He was rejected. It's interesting here, I want you to notice, as we come through the Scripture here, uh, in verse 10, it says, The world was made through Him, but the world did not recognize Him. 
all people. They did not know Him. They did not recognize Him. (laughs) He was a stranger to them. Then He moves from the whole world. He says He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. He came to those who literally did see Him in His hometown, in His own nation, who who were able to come and firsthand look at Christ and, and listen to Christ and be with Christ. But they didn't recognize Him. They didn't see Him. So He went from the world, He went to those who were literally around Him, who lived around Him, and then He went to you and me, to all, to the individual, yet to all who received Him. Have you received Christ? Or do you reject Christ? And the Bible tells us here through this picture that most people will not receive Christ. Most reject Him. And and most do not turn to Him. Let me give you just some examples from the Gospel of John. Here real quickly. In John chapter 7, some said He was a good man. Others said He was a deceiver. In Matthew 16, some said he was John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. Once again, they were wrong. John chapter 6, Jesus makes them a free lunch. What do they do? They want to force him to become an earthly king. They were wrong about that too. In Luke chapter 23, they call him a tax evader. Now, I don't want to get into something that pits Jesus against the IRS and all of that kind of stuff. But the point is, they were wrong. His purpose here was not a political purpose. It wasn't His purpose. In John chapter 10, they said He has a demon. No, He doesn't do His work by the devil. They were wrong. And then Mark chapter 3, His own family said He's crazy. He's out of his mind. There are many that are wrong about who Jesus is. There are many who have said things about him that simply are not true. As the text says, he was in the world. The world was made by him. And the world did not receive him. Did not know him. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. You know what they said about him in the Talmud? the holy book of the Jews. He was the illegitimate son of Mary. Now, interestingly enough, I have no idea where they got this. They said that she was a hairdresser. Worked in a beauty salon there, I guess. I don't know. Um, They also described Jesus as one who learned magical arts in Egypt and came to Israel to start a rebellion. And they, they got all of that wrong. There was a, a flicker of light. There was a word of light that the light of the world was coming, that the Messiah was on His way. But they missed Him. They did not turn to Him. John the Baptist would be one who says, there He is. He's the light. He's the light of the world. It's not me. I'm just a preacher. I'm just one who's trying to introduce you to the light. But I am not the light. Here He is. And I love that about John the Baptist. He said, He must become greater I must become less. He said, I'm not worthy to even untie his sandals. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins 
of the world. Instead, the response was, crucify Him. Take this Barabbas, set him free. Not Christ. Christ rejected. Even around our most beloved holiday, Christmas, the point of the birth of Christ is missed by many. It's become a time for retailers. Happy time for them, man. I'm going to be able to make some money this year by selling Christmas gifts. But Christmas is more than just buying gifts for loved ones. It's more about Santa and reindeers. It's more than those who say, Happy Holidays! No, it's a time to celebrate because God put on flesh and lived among us. God came because He saw how, how great our, our need is. That's why He came. There are others that say, Well, you could... You know, you shouldn't have a manger scene in public. And still others who say, well, it's okay if you have a manger scene in public as long as you keep Jesus as a little baby. We don't mind little baby Jesus. We just don't want Him to grow up. Because if He grows up, He's unpredictable. He might say things like, pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Follow me. Daily. He might say things like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. <laughs> and if you want life, you must follow me. I'm the only way. We don't want that. We want to keep Jesus as a little baby. Not as the grown Savior and Lord that we're called to follow. We moved from the narrow To the place of having to receive Christ personally. It is not enough to see that we are all children of God. Created by Him. Made in His image. And so it's a very general picture. And Jesus is a Savior who died for everyone. And yet here in verse 12. He says, yet to all who received Him. There is some responsibility for each of us. We have to receive Him. In the next part it says, to those who believed in His name. We have to have a personal encounter with God through Jesus Christ. We have to personally make a decision for Him. He created everything. He is the light. But any relationship requires two the love of God is without doubt. But what about our love for Him? It has to become personalized. Do you love Him? Have you trusted Him? Have you placed your faith in Him? Just like talking about Christmas, in, in order to, for the gift to be yours, you have to receive it. You have to open the gift. Thus it becomes yours. Thus it is with salvation and with Christ. Jesus comes, He speaks, and I'm not the light, but I'm trying to share the light. And so, the light leads to Christ, who is the gift of God. I love 2 Corinthians 9.15 that says, Praise be to God for His indescribable gift. He is the indescribable gift, but the gift that truly brings life to all of us. 
And notice what it says in verse 13 as we close here. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. In other words, he is discounting that idea that everyone who has been born is naturally a child reborn of God. It's more than just entering this world in that first birth. You tell us in chapter 3, unless a person is born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. There is birth and there is a need for a rebirth to occur. Listen to 1 John 5, 19. He says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We are part of a world that needs God, but we must deny ourselves and repent of our sins and turn to God become part of His kingdom. Um, it says in Matthew 7, 13 and 14, Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Are you part of that few? What about the burden you have for people around you? Are they part of the few? Um, I read a story about a man who lost his car keys. He was looking outside and he was desperate. He was looking under a bright street light. And a friend walked by and said, what are you doing? I'm, I'm looking for my car keys. I lost them. Well, let me help you. So they looked for about 20 minutes. And finally, after about 20 minutes, his friend says, are you sure you lost your car keys here? He said, well, no, I lost them in the garage, but I came here because the light's far better. <laughs> Most people don't even know what they're looking for. And they don't even know where they are. And hopefully, they come to church thinking, well, you know, here's a place where there's supposed to be light. Here's a place where there are people who hopefully will allow me to find what I'm looking for. And it's Christ. And our call, it, when we love Jesus and we live for Him, we, the light just comes out. <laughs> it's a light of Christ. And the call is, do you have that light? Do you feel in the dark today? Um, are you desperate? He came. He loves you. Do you trust Him? Let's pray. God, I thank You for a chance to look again at Your Word. Thank You, Jesus, that You truly are the light of the world. That the one who comes to You, the one who believes in You, will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Father, I just pray this morning, as we have a time we call invitation, Father, may we just say yes. May your light shine. And Father, may we follow. And Lord, I, I just pray you speak as you desire. Maybe it's someone who has never walked for the first time into the light and found life. This is a great day for that to occur if you have not 
walked into the light of the Son of God. Come. Um, or maybe for others of us who at one point we did walk into the light, but it seems like we're trying to run from the light and hide in the dark. God, deal with us, Lord. As um, you said in end of Psalm 139, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This morning, God, lead us where we need to be. In your name we pray. Amen.